0: Welcome to Sporacity, and today our topic is education. So, I'm Zayden Phillips.
1: I'm Wesley. I'm
2: Calvin.
0: I'm Talon. Alright, so let's get started, because, for, at least for me personally, this is a very, very big topic <laughs> that I have some very, very strong feelings about. So where do we want to start today on this topic? Well, let's,
3: you,
4: we, we could all start with our, like, experience <clears throat> so far through education. Not necessarily, like, yeah. mechanically, but, like what schools we went to you know what were we good at what were like pivot moments where things changed um mm-hmm. things like that just to kind of get up give people a framework of
0: our perspective and why we think about it how we do yeah
1: mm-hmm. uh you want to start zayden all
0: right so i've been in this place for my entire life so <laughs> i started um i did uh kindergarten through second grade at crimson point elementary and then 3rd through 6th grade at Silver Trail Elementary when they built that, and then 7th um, and 8th grade at CUNA Middle School, and the rest of my high school career has been at CUNA High School.
1: Alright, um, I was in, I was like in Twin Falls, so about like since I was 8, or ten no no not, not since I was 8, <laughs> till I was 8, okay. <laughs> and then um, I, it was a public school there, and then I went to... Cuna here uh, in 4th grade, moved to the, it was right when the new Silver Trail School got built, uh, so that was kind of good timing, and went there for 4th through 6th grade, and then Kuna Middle School, boot, <laughs> and then uh, Kuna High after that, so pretty much all public school programs. Mm-hmm. I went to Lake Hazel
2: Elementary, but dropped out midway through the 1st grade, was homeschooled for years and years and years, up until almost four years ago now when I started attending the College of Western Idaho and that is currently where I reside
4: Uh, important to note too is that we're all 17 or 18 years old Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did kindergarten through third grade at Hubbard Elementary and then fourth through sixth grade at Teed uh, middle school at the CUNA middle school and then I've been spending time at the high school Um, so yeah one important thing to note, I think, about mine particularly, is that Silver Trail got built the year that I was going into fourth grade. Mm-hmm. That's the year mm-hmm. it opened, right? And Silver Trail happened to take most of the staff from Teed as well. Yeah, um, yes. So I think that's uh, an important note, because <laughs> I have a theory that we're, we're going to get into. I have a very strong theory. <laughs> Aliens. I would love to hear
0: this theory, because, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but... Silver Trail seemed a little bit more jaded than the other schools. Yeah.
4: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I guess we're we're just talking about right now. I (laughs) I am convinced that kids who went to Silver Trail for elementary school are way better set up for the rest of education in Cuna High. If you look at all of the upper level classes, the majority of those kids went to Silver Trail. I don't think a single one of them went to Teep. So my theory is is that Silver Trail got built teed was the old like good school right and then silver trail got built stole most of the staff from teed and then i don't want to say that's not why i was like as successful as that because that is just absolving myself of responsibility but Mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at that um and see that like on average the majority of people who are in those
0: higher level classes went to silver trail Mm -hmm. i would actually i would wholeheartedly agree with that like i was in advanced classes in seventh and eighth grade i took high school level classes there and the majority of the kids i walked in i'm like wow i know most of these kids which i was yeah. glad i didn't realize at the time but most of them were from silver trail mm-hmm. and then we i did have a couple from teed and some sprinkling from like the other elementary schools but the majority of them did go to silver trail
4: yeah. yes and those are the ones that made it like all the way through in their senior year and they're still taking
1: like all of those super high level classes mm-hmm. And this and is just for our class level, like twenty twenty kind of thing. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really sure about the other uh, classes, but yeah.
4: And it's yeah. not like yeah. I have I did a statistical report yeah. on, on yeah. all of this stuff and tracking. I people do want to do years, that if
1: I ever get the chance for a stats project. That's what yeah. I would do is try to investigate that. I mean, that.
0: and then also for like for you guys, it was twenty twenty. For me, at the time I was taking these classes, I was in the class of twenty twenty one. So it was for at least two years. Oh yeah, that's respect. true. Yeah,
1: yeah, for you, so that's yeah. true yeah
0: I don't know i <laughs>
4: it's so interesting my my sixth grade year was kind of a train wreck um <sighs> because <laughs> they uh they tested me because I was I literally just blazed through all of the assignments right so they mm-hmm. tested me for gifts and talents in like language arts and stuff so I had all these side projects that I did that never really went anywhere right mm-hmm. so the result of that was essentially just me sitting around for a year doing absolutely nothing and getting straight A's The other result of that is that most of the classes went about as fast as the slowest five kids in the class, right? So then everyone else is also forced to go that slow. So we ended up staying on one math subject for legitimately an entire semester. But since I performed well in that area, they're like, cool, you can go into the STEM program at the middle school because you, you proved yourself here, right? But of course, you're going to get good at one subject if you do it for an entire semester. Mm-hmm. Right. So then yeah. I went into middle school not even knowing what a variable was. And mm-hmm. everyone else in my class did.
3: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So for me, a kid who did attend Silver Trail, <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say um, they have quite a few, like, gifted, like, sort of gifted and talented programs. I was always in the advanced, like, yeah, like highest spell, did. like, um, on spelling tests, like, my teachers seemed to, group. yeah, a big deal. Yeah, I was in star group, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> highest one they had. Anyways, Pushes off shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, but it seemed to me, like looking back now, even more so that like they seemed to have so many, like at least all of the classes that I took, um, had, had yeah, advanced options. Fifth grade was a little bit less, but I was in harder math classes for those, and I accelerated very very quickly through yeah. all of that.
1: I want to ask a question. Did you do, like, the Scantron things Excel for math? math? Excel- yeah, it was like you uh, You had to, like, you get these packets with, like, a bunch of on like, We did it, like, twice, that. and then the teacher oh, just really? stopped doing it. Yeah. Oh, so whoa. another note is huh. that there were
4: only three sixth-grade teachers at T. Oh. Three. So class sizes were, like, 30 to 40. Wow. That was the same thing. Yeah, we had the same trail. problem. Yeah. But- and I mean... I, yeah. I get that it's difficult to run those programs when you're understaffed but mm-hmm, like if mm-hmm. Silver Trail can do it like I would appreciate yeah. some effort to these, level the playing okay. field as people are going in
1: these, my theory behind that is that the Scantrons basically basically like allowed students to do math at their own pace That's, which was really nice because I had the opportunity to like go through these packets scan them out and to the our, I had a shoot because I had 5th grade um uh, Eddie, no, no, no. Bein. It was broken yeah. And um, these gantrons, like, would, would like, the the teachers would give you goals to uh, try and accomplish. Like, I need you to like at least do this this minute. And I was like, okay, hey, I'm gonna try and like beat that, you know. And uh, so I'd go through these packets and like had the motivation to kind of do homework. I don't know. I was a try hard in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, <laughs> what do you mean in fifth grade? <laughs> <laughs> More like since fifth yeah. grade. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was really cool because like. Uh, I was getting to math levels that were, like, in sixth grade, right? And so they could see the kids that were getting ahead in the, the math that they were learning and they could get placed in advanced programs. But it still was – it gave the teacher an opportunity to go one-on-one with the students. Like, hey, I have a question on this question, right? And, like, they're at a different level. So everyone could actually go at their own pace. And it was pretty smooth sailing, actually. Um, that's probably one of the programs I actually thought was really nice, uh,
0: I had that same program, not in 5th yeah. grade, but in 6th grade, and I was mm. doing, like, um, we had competitions to see who could get, like, the highest each yeah. quarter, mm-hmm. and I grade ended me. up not winning any of them, but I averaged the highest out of any kid in the class um, consistently, and so, I ended up getting through, like, almost all of middle school math during that. Like, I did stuff that I didn't touch upon until my ninth grade year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned one unit in 7th grade that was new to me, and I learned nothing else new 7th or 8th grade. It was just all review. Really yeah. mm-hmm. So, that... Program really helped me
4: language arts, which gives you such a good base going into like math two, exactly. three, and precalculus and it calculus, is, yeah. Which is something that I feel like I didn't really have, which and is like unfortunate. That I have now, yeah. Right? And mm. again, I'm not blaming this on anyone else because I totally could have taken this on my own hands and like mm. just figured it out on my own and put in the work to do it. But it's
1: hard to do that in like elementary school level. Yeah, yeah, agreed.
4: Like, but I'm not trying to absolve myself of too mm. much responsibility because I feel like that's kind of just disingenuous and blaming other people for yeah. my problem. But it's, like, th- there are things now that, like, I'll look back and I'll do and I'll be like, cool, but I wouldn't have been able to do that, like, last year. Like, I'm in calculus now and, like, I, I've i got, mm-hmm. like, the basics down by the time I'm in calculus, you know? Like, you, mm-hmm. I feel like you should have the basics down by the time you
1: are in, like, freshman sophomore year, you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel the Scantron program actually... Was it, it really called the Scantron program? I don't, I don't know. I ex- ex- I, that's Scantron. just what I'm it calling it. 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 it was okay. called Accelerated okay. Math. Accelerated okay. Math, and we called them Scantrons. Um, but uh, what was my point? Oh yeah, so I think it really it made me stop thinking like in sixth grade, I, I didn't really think about grades a whole lot e- anyways, but it didn't, I did not think about my grade at all really during that. I was thinking about how am I going to learn this concept and how can I like apply it to problem solving? And I think that was probably one of the best things education can do for you. That's what yeah. we should be aiming towards for almost any kind of subject is not focusing on, Oh, I need to get an A, but instead, am I actually? What am I actually learning, and how is it applying to me and stuff like that? Um, that's what I thought made the the program so successful for mm-hmm. people that want to like take the next step and like go a little bit ahead. Um, so, what do you think, yeah. Calvin?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, um, speaking as a person who's not a product of the Kuna school system, <laughs> I admit I'm not familiar with a lot of what you guys are talking about. My experience um, with the public school system, again ended comparatively quite early because my older sister Ellen and I, we were attending Lake Hazel Elementary um, and I was in first grade and she was in third and we both reached this certain point where our family is like we love to read and we love to talk about reading and we love Mm -hmm. to talk and we love to do like all of these things that... um, It's true. (laughs) I know, you'd never guess. But um, we sort of found, Ellen and I, we found ourselves in this weird position of like we would come to school And we would just sort of sit there and not really learn anything there's Mm -hmm. a very vivid memory that stands out in my mind of i used to be fascinated by astronomy and by the planets and the solar system and i came into my classroom one day and i had drawn on like five sheets of paper that i had taped together this scale model of the solar system and i had gone to great pains to like color all of the planets in and get some of the basic stars in position Hmm. and i brought it into class to show my teacher, and I was really excited to show her, and she didn't look at it, because she was busy running around trying to prevent other kids from picking their nose and eating the (laughs) Play-Doh, right, and Mm so, which was sort of evocative of a lot of the experiences that both I and my older sister had, because Ellen was also, she was in what I assume was the equivalent of, like, the advanced math and writing and reading Mm -hmm. programs, and... She would show up and she would spend ten minutes doing the in-class assignment and then she'd be done as everyone else would be continually working on it and so her teacher would just have her off to the side playing computer games. yeah I relate mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so the, the other thing the, the other thing about my experience in the public education system was I was a very sickly small child and so I would constantly have this hacking cough that wasn't contagious but was just a byproduct of sort of the inner workings of my system at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I would come to school, and I would be like, <laughs> and the teacher would be like, you need to go to the nurse's office, and the nurse would be like, you need to go home. So then I would go home, and I wouldn't go to school because I would have this hacking cough, but then we would start getting letters from the elementary school saying, hey, your kid's not coming to school, you know, he's truant, this is not Crazy good. how that one works And so, yeah. so, like, between all of this, between the fact that my sister and I were sort of just sitting there, not really concretely learning anything, and also just by nature of the inner workings of Calvin's phlegmatic system, which I know you all wanted to hear about today, (laughs) Um, my mom and my dad sat down and looked at each other and went, this isn't working, and so they pulled us out. And I remember that being a little bit of a disconnect at the time, because all of my friends were in school, Uh, my best friend was in school, and so I was... Not over the moon about it. Ellen was not over the moon about it. There was no one else really far enough advanced as far as our family went, like old enough rather, to be terribly affected by this decision. It was just me and my sister pulled out and we've been homeschooled ever since. And honest to God, I think that's the best thing that possibly could have happened to me Um, Mm -hmm. because the way then that we were able to sort of pioneer our own education was we would go to the library a lot, and our mom would have a system where she would say, okay, you have to check out one book about science, you have to check out one book about history or biography, you have to check out one book about uh, a math thing, and (laughs) see, I've retained so much, and so we would have, like, all of these little assignments or things that we would do, and we tried out a bunch of curriculums, and we tried attending a bunch of homeschool co-ops, and we just learned that we sort of, as far as education goes, don't play nice in the sandbox, and so we ended up just sort of doing our own thing for years and years, and... It was super beneficial because we reached a certain point then where my mom came to my sister and I and she said, listen, I now as a parent and as a person who has a basic education in the humanities have taught you just about everything that I can teach you in a school setting, which means that now I want you guys to find out what you are interested in. So you go, you find the classes, you find the programs, you find the books that you want to read or study or take. and." point me in the right direction and I will get you to it. I will drive you places, I will pay for classes, I will buy you books, I will take you to the library, anything and everything. And so at that point it just became exclusively... When was this? This was about 2000, 2011? So mm. the majority of your education has been self-driven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's been well. great. I've found all sorts of programs that I've loved. Um, I discovered speech and debate and i discovered theater and i discovered all of these other things that now are such an integral part of who i am and helped bolster my education in a lot of ways that i think i would not have been afforded if i had attended public high school yeah um which is totally just a personal thing for sure but i ditched traditional education a decade ago and never looked back (laughs) (laughs)
4: yep yeah so do you think that your interest as far as like theater and what you want to pursue career-wise would have been different if you would have stayed in the public school system
2: no doubt. Um, I am, by nature, a very creative-minded individual. I've learned this about myself. And Calvin's hot take of the day is that the public education system is nine times out of ten not especially conducive towards
4: creativity, creative creative.
2: environments. And there are exceptions to that, obviously. And there are, like, programs, like... uh, I just saw the show that was running at Cuna High Mm -hmm. earlier this week, and it was very good, um, and it's full of talented people who very clearly care about what they're doing, and I love to see that and love being part of those things. But... Also, a lot of the things that I'm interested in doing are in disparate locations that take a lot of driving to get to, or are, I don't know, just not afforded by sitting Mm -hmm. in a classroom. Yeah. Um, Whereas I'm definitely much more of an on-your-feet, get-your-hands-dirty kind of learner. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of the things that I'm interested in, especially theater, which I discovered through speech and debate, I would not... I think have discovered the same way or would not have held the same clout for me simply because it would have been in a classroom yeah. setting as opposed to literally like being at each other's throats in a debate setting perpetually, which.
4: Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. one thing, and I'm I, I'm not sure how this works in other public school systems, but at least at CUNA, there's just, there's a really big push towards STEM fields. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which that's that very common. Yeah. yeah. Which right. I, I understand why that is um, because it's, it's yeah. a growing industry and you want kids to be successful. And you want to go out and you want to learn and all these things. Right. And that's, Like, I understand the intent behind that. And it's not necessarily a malicious intent. It's just you're leaving out the other 95% of the world that people can interact Mm -hmm. with. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I understand that engineers are everywhere and they make everything and scientists do all these things. And it's like, not everyone has a mind or
2: or Mm -hmm. just the mindset to do that. Right, and STEM mm-hmm. is of course super important. Right, right. and yeah, there are that's people, not yeah, not yeah. Uh, STEM. you know, and there are people who are like very passionate about those things, but that's never what I was passionate about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so I think that had I been in a setting which does value STEM and related ideas and classes over creative ideas and classes n- most of the time, um, I would not have, I would not have discovered the things that I love to do simply because I would not have been afforded the opportunity to. You know,
4: yeah, and mm-hmm. to speak off of that point is that, I fairly recently have started actually coming to a conclusion of what I want to do, what I want to be, what I want to go to college for, right? Um, But up until then, I felt like I, like, STEM, it was just the thing, right? Mm -hmm, But I never felt super passionate about it, Mm -hmm. but I was like, it makes good money, they say it's good, you know, school's good, all these things are good because they're telling me it's good, so I should (laughs) do this, right? So I put myself in all these classes and all these scenarios where I set myself up for failure because I, I wasn't engaged in it, I didn't want to learn the material, it wasn't fascinating to me, and all of these things and then I end up suffering because of that. Mm. But kind of taking this year as an opportunity to do other things, right? To do broadcasting, to do videography, to pursue some of my hobbies, to do more political things, to just branch out away from right. math and science and try out a bunch of different stuff mm. because that's never something I really did, right? Mm. Like up, up through my senior year, I was my elective classes were um, like business and uh, computer CTE classes. Right, because mm-hmm. C- CTE is hot and that's what they push and that's what makes the counselors in the school money is when kids go on to these colleges that they partner all this stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that results in pushing people who shouldn't be pushed into those fields into those fields.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that's one big problem is schools are influenced by strings, I want I guess I wanna say, because like or funding in general money. because yes. it's just you if you can get a lot of money through some kind of program like, Why like the federal it? government right. gives you or state it's do it <laughs> it's going to give you money yeah So and, I, and that this whole thing again i really
4: want to emphasize that i'm not knocking it right, like if sure. you're into mm-hmm. it awesome and it works for tons of people but yeah. it's frustrating I mean, when it doesn't work
1: i'm probably going to be going into the stem field and mm-hmm. it helps me find stuff like i really love problem solving and that helped me find that so
0: mm-hmm. Which I'm the same with Wesley, like, I'm going into STEM field, I'm going into computer sciences and things Mm -hmm. like that, and I love that and it works for me, but it kind of upsets me how much schools push that, especially. And I would like to go a little bit onto a side branch of what Talon was talking about, is that I discovered a few weeks ago, as we were signing up for the dual credit part of my calculus class, that... The teacher gets extra money for every student that signs up for the dual credit part mm. of the class. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah like he was That's talking very about, common. I did not know that before. Mm. But now, and Talon's talking about counselors get money. So it seems like they're pushing. So, like, and that just, to me, is such a bad way to go about doing that. Because, like. The problem, though, is that how you fix it
4: because
2: the school yeah. needs money mm-hmm. to run right? especially a place like public, public mm-hmm. education yeah. as well as public educators are woefully underfunded and underpaid uh-huh. yeah. yeah right like and I mean there's, the, there's a stereotype of like teachers don't get paid much which is unfortunately mm-hmm. common the, and very it's true it's it and it's not it's only true. the teachers but it's the institutions that the teachers work for very often and yeah. so while mm-hmm. we can look at these programs um, that are set up to like make money and that get paid per student um, yeah it's a bad system and it doesn't work mm-hmm. but also, how else are you supposed to get money?
0: Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Currently, is like yeah, the system is set up bad because then you push students into these like dual credit classes. Like we don't have Calvin loves art. He loves um, theater and all this stuff, and it's great. But we don't have dual credit classes for that because how do you teach a dual credit drawing class? That doesn't really work as well. And we I don't think we have. Any dual credit performing arts No, I don't think we have a single dual credit arts other than English, which is less of artistic, like less like theater or band or choir. And so we don't have a single one of those. So then we get the big push towards STEM because we have so many dual credit math classes and stuff like that. And so teachers get more money. School gets more money.
1: Great for everyone except for the students. Here's the other thing. We don't have almost any AP classes. We have Mm -hmm. zero I, I think, think there's, it, like, we have, one. Is there one? There's, like, one stats AP one. class. And there's it's not even the two. one I'm taking. Two. Oh, really? Um, yeah,
0: there's a computer sciences uh, AP class. Oh, yeah. That's
1: but like, that, uh, <laughs> that doesn't count. It's yeah. Stakowitz. Yeah. <laughs> that's is, true. <laughs> the thing is, like, AP credits <clears throat> are probably more useful, like, more transferable than DC credits. Yes, they like, are. Like, it's really handy for an Idaho to have a, DC, a bunch of DC credits. But, like, for me, that is probably going That's that is going to BYU. Mm-hmm. Um Those I'm not hundred percent sure which credits are going to be transferring to those. Like how useful are all these things I'm getting, and think think about all the
4: stress and the mm -hmm. headache that went into passing those DC
1: classes with A's Mm -hmm. that will
4: no longer transfer to Mm -hmm. a school like BYU where you have Mm -hmm. to do maybe an entirely other semester to
0: take classes that you already took. I can speak to that a little bit. Is Mm -hmm. that my brother, uh, Cuna recently made the switch to all of their. Uh, dual credit classes come from C W I unless the teacher specifically works on one. I had one from U of I, but that's I've got one from L C S E and one from B S U. Yeah, the rest are from C W I. Yes, so so like more than ninety percent of the Mm -hmm. things are credits are from C W I, which is great if you're gonna go to college in Idaho because they transfer pretty well there. But my brother, um, he was in, um, CUNA before they made that switch. And so he went to BYU as well, mm-hmm. and none of the CWI credits transferred. Um, his BSE1s transferred as generals. Some of – he had maybe two credits that transferred as they should have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's the bad thing about – is that um, they're looking more for, oh, we just get this dual credit class and then push students to go to a college in Idaho, and it works out great, but it doesn't work out great most of the time. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think – I don't know. I, I don't know if, like, QN is afraid to have AP – Classes like uh, you might not get paid as much. Because I, the have, tests I have heard harder. this. Yeah, and I'm not sure if this is true, hmm.
4: but supposedly the counselors and a lot of the administration don't think most of the kids could pass AP classes, so it's that's, not worth bringing them. In. That's
1: unfortunate because that's why so would you dumb. think
4: about your students like that? Yeah, like too, like. <laughs> oh my word! Yeah. I, again, I'm not yeah. sure the legitimacy behind that. I don't it's know. Kinda just yeah, that's
1: kinda, that is a rumor. But um, I mean, we do have pretty much only DC classes, and I would like the option. I like literally my uh stats DC class we are learning from an AP class notebook yeah or a uh, textbook not tex- textbook yeah mm-hmm. and it has all these uh it tools in it to help you pass the AP test how to think like that and like understand the content all that um but it's a DC class which I think is really bizarre yeah mm-hmm. so dumb and mm-hmm. then Another thing that I'll
0: speak to for a second is going back to, like, counselors don't think we could pass AP classes. It really makes me mad because I see a lot of times that, like, students are, like, not even pushed, like, not pushed to succeed. But sometimes they're even pushed to not succeed. Like, I am graduating early. I will be spending three years in high school instead of four. And I am very grateful for that. <laughs> um, but... I talked to my counselor, my counselor's like, no, don't do it. Like, you can stay for another year, and then you can get, like, all of these extra classes and stuff. And I'm like, I looked into it, and um, there were two options for me. One, I could basically be a CWI student but be technically enrolled in the high school, which I did spoke. Money. <laughs> yeah, so my classes would be paid for by the high school, which would be nice. But uh-huh. I looked into that. I had a friend who did that, and because she was still required to take some classes at the high school, um, she had to, she was forced to drop those CWI classes because they would not work out with her schedule. Huh. Um, and then so that that option doesn't work. And then the second option is I just take a bunch of D.C. classes at the high school, which I could take one English credit that I cannot take in my junior year, um, a D.C. English credit um i i believe it's 102 Mm -hmm. that i would not be able to get or lit appreciation yeah other other than that um dual credit government i would be able to take which i can't take and dc stats but i don't need government or stats for my major um which so it just doesn't work out so i'd get one college credit and that's not really still have to show up to five other classes five other classes it's such yeah and they're like no 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 this would be such a better option and also i go and i talk to my counselors. And I brought up stuff about the specific college I'm attending or I would like to attend and all of these different stuff. And they're like, oh, really? Well, that's interesting. And then like would look into it is that a lot of the times they don't actually know quite a bit of what they're talking about. Um, we, it makes it I don't trust my counselor. Yeah. Like I, the
4: only thing I've ever trusted my counselor for was to switch my classes around. Mm-hmm. And it's like I wish that wasn't the case. Like it's at all, because yeah. that that is support that a lot of kids need. And I could have definitely benefited from Mm-hmm. But and like to that point too, is that kids who leave on missions totally get thrown under the bus? Yeah, <laughs> the counselors don't help them at all. Like the counselor came into our high school to life class and like asked about like your plans after high school and like help you enroll in like looking to colleges and whatnot, right? Uh, and she called me up. She's like, "So this will be really really fast if you're still going on your mission." I was like, "I'm still going on my mission." She's like, "Okay, you can go sit down." Yeah, yeah. It's com- completely ignored. That yeah. doesn't mean I'm not planning on going to college. I'm just yeah. doing other stuff first, you know. Mm-hmm
0: oh yeah. my word and especially since like going on a mission has been proven to actually be like successful help teach you to work harder and like all of these different things that are skills you need but the counselors don't care about and okay so that yeah i could we could <laughs> rant for it's days technically
1: about like system. honestly probably they need to know what mm-hmm. all the students are doing and so like hey if you're going to college oh i'm technically supposed to help you with that if you're going mm-hmm. on a mission. You're, you're going to mission, you come yeah. back, and I'm, you're not our responsibility anymore. Yeah. yeah. So I, it's just it's like, like easy. I,
4: I understand there are probably some things that we don't understand about that process as, yeah. Yeah. as well that make things the way they are. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we can't point out the problems and say, mm-hmm. look, regardless of what mechanically is going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, the result is
0: not working.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'd like to share a story. So we listened to, we had to go in depth about um, different locations and opportunities in different areas um in my language arts class and there was one we listened to um about like this girl from texas that her she was from a low-income family and she was very 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 bright and the counselor was like oh go to this like state college you'll be able to like community college like you'll be able to get some pretty good scholarships there and so she that's where she was pushing because that's where Every single counselor I've ever heard has told her to like everyone told people to push for a state college. Like yeah, I again. Sorry, finish your story. I'll talk about this. (laughs) Sorry. So (laughs) what? Um, but bright student. Um, and so she ended up. She's like, well, I kind of really want to go to like an Ivy League school, but I don't have the money to pay for that. So counselors like, you'll never be able to pay for it. Go to a community college. Which so she ended up. Um, someone ended up coming along. Or something I don't remember, but they did a story on her, how now she's attending her dream Ivy League college and paying two thousand dollars a year total for it. Mm-hmm. Like it's crazy because um, the counselors had no idea, nor did they care to look into it. Like they're just every counselor I've ever heard, and the same thing is like CUNA is a generally a pretty low income area yeah. for par- most parents. So the fact that like if you they applied to an Ivy League's school a lot of people like especially bright students would be able to get very large discounts if not like even full ride in some cases and that just makes me mad is that the counselors don't know or don't care and so my language arts teacher is like luckily at CUNA we have a great like program that knows all of this stuff if you go in state and and (laughs) I'm like (laughs) the counselors (laughs) Mm -hmm. like almost completely
4: mirror like it's basically it's great if you go to CWI yeah
2: Hey, I'm doing just <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. Suckers. <laughs> so then that, 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 like this makes me wonder because I hear lots and lots and lots and lots of high school students, not only at CUNA but like around the Valley who have all of these lodged complaints about lots of things, everything from classes to teachers, to trying to arrange classes, to what happens after you leave. Um, and candidly, I just wonder at that point, like, if the frustrations are that. And I'm not saying that the alternatives are without frustrations, but why right. not consider alternative education then? Like, what what are what are your guys' thoughts on that? Um, what do you mean by alternative education? Um, I'm thinking things like online school, homeschool, um, things like that. So, in
4: my particular case, uh, my family is not equipped to do homeschooling.
2: Why do you think that is? And uh, what, what, do you, what do you think that means?
4: Time. Both my parents work full-time. Okay. So... Mm-hmm. There, there would be have been no one there who could do that yeah um, that's valid and you know we didn't have the money to send any of us to private school mm-hmm. or, or anything like that right that's just kind of the reality of it and once you get far enough like it didn't make sense for me when I got to this point where I started realizing this stuff to drop out of high school as like a junior or senior right Right, because it's like yeah. at that point just just finish it right. and then you have alternative schooling mm-hmm. after, yeah, after that get your right?
2: diploma and then after that
4: yeah, yeah, and, like, your diploma is valuable. It is. Like, it I, is. I I don't care who you are. Your diploma is valuable. And that's, yeah. w- that's one of the things that is an indicator of being m- more successful mm-hmm. is if you have your high school diploma, if you graduated high school, right? But I don't know. I didn't feel like maybe mm-hmm. there was really another option. I guess it never really crossed yeah. my mind because I don't think I'm disciplined enough to have done <laughs> all of my education
0: online. So I have two thoughts about this. One is that um, a lot, like... Talon said, like, most families, especially in CUNA, mm-hmm. are not equipped to do homeschooling. Like, parent, like, most parents both work full time or at least part time. And, like, there are a lot of parents, I have several friends, like, their parents didn't graduate high school, don't have, like, the knowledge to do homeschool.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, um, that's tough. And then, internet or, like, online schooling is the same thing. It's, like, some people, like, can barely afford. Like, yeah. I'm not a fan of such. online school personally, but yeah. I just posit it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, for me, um, uh, after the first episode of Sporacity, our <laughs> computer broke and so oh. that that was the reason for the schooling and stuff. And I'm taking online classes so I was forced to go to the library after school every day for two Ooh. hours and I was I was still fell behind until we could get fixed and I'm back up to speed now and gonna finish them ahead of time. But like just for like and these are just two classes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like it if you're trying to do an entire system, like there's not much available to you resources wise. I think it's also a valuable experience for people to just be
4: exposed to so many people and mm-hmm. so many different personalities and how to work under people mm-hmm. and how to work with people.
2: Well, okay, I understand. However, I don't think that argument holds because I have been exposed to lots and lots of people. Correct. Under yeah. lots and
1: lots of different circumstances. and like, mm-hmm. I want to say, like, if you're either taking public schools or getting homeschooled, you should find opportunities to, like you don't get to know people and stuff like that and that's mm. what that's what you did yeah and that's not a byproduct mm-hmm.
2: that I, I would contend that's mm-hmm. not a byproduct of being in a particular system of schooling yeah. so much as mm-hmm. seeking out opportunities to interact with and be involved with right people. which which goes yeah. to the
4: point is that going to public education kind of already provides the opportunity for you and there are mm-hmm. people who if they went to alternative schooling methods would not have taken that mm-hmm. right because i think i don't want to say you're unique but in your case you did seek that out mm-hmm. because you wanted that you wanted to participate mm-hmm. in these things and in these clubs and, and do all these things and you've had you've earned your friends from that right and i think part of it also is that we have a culture in the church where there's there's kind of people and you're supposed to it regularly but mm-hmm. i'm not sure that you know i would have been able to really seek that out if i was in your position like i don't know if my personality or my thought or my abilities to go and do because again, if I was homeschooled, both my parents are full-time, right? Mm -hmm. I I literally would be kind of stuck in my house for the majority of Mm -hmm. that schooling time just because there there was
0: nowhere for me to go Mm -hmm. or way to get there.
3: Mm
0: So I want to talk about one thing real quick is that, so a lot of our problems have come from funding and different things and like not great staff and all of this stuff. I'd like to point out the example of finland because finland has some of like the brightest students in the world like highest like test scores which are debatable for measuring (laughs) but as a general standard they work pretty well and like a bunch of geniuses come out of finland um and that's because for a few reasons one they fund their education system a lot more Um, how big is finland uh population
2: wise sure
0: yeah we can look that up but um google it So they fund their education a lot more, which I get it's tougher in a bigger country and stuff, but they still provide tons of funding to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And like we see right now, like, oh, I don't want to be a teacher. They make no money, like all of these things. In Finland, if you're really good at something, people are like, you should be a teacher. And that's considered a really great honor to be a teacher is Mm -hmm. because of that. Um, So they're getting better, like, paid teachers, and teachers are better at the things they do because that's kind of rather than right now teachers are a little bit lower on the pay scale and if people find out you're a teacher that's like a little bit less like socially too whereas that's kind of like you have a lot of respect as a teacher in Finland hmm. and so we see over there like they're doing so much better educationally and there, there are a huge handful of countries that are
4: performing better educationally than the US the US. Mm-hmm. Um, US is ranked 15 in the human yeah, development and index in, in defense of all of that is that that's a really hard metric to compare Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's it's so volatile, it's so different, and it can be super individualized, right? But, I mean, the solution is either, like, Finland, right? Some of mm-hmm. the brightest students in the world, or places like South Korea or Japan, where mm-hmm. students are just put under pressure all the time to be perfect. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. They, they go to school twice a day. They're, they have, like, four to five hours of homework every day. Like, their whole, literally their entire lives mm-hmm. are just education. And, I mean, tends to pump out really, really, really intelligent people, but also mm-hmm. less, like mentally healthy ones yeah. on average on average on a, I'm not yeah, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: so I, I don't know I yeah. don't know there's, there's a million things that we can do
0: that just aren't being done <laughs> yeah which yeah I wrote a paper on this for one of my English classes about um, how higher performing students and students in general need to be like better prepared and one of my solutions was the accelerated math sort of like we were talking about is that go at your own pace programs for students they're actually like especially go at your own pace are like with less teacher help are not as costly as a lot of times like gifted and talented programs are and then also that allows the student to work at however they feel comfortable so you can get through faster you can get through more and then uh the last benefit is that it allows students to go through their own learning style too because Mm -hmm. a lot another problem with our school systems is that like people two, tailored towards yeah, one or two learning, it's style. yeah. like two learning styles. It's literally like a factor. Or and so. every
4: class is a different learning style because that's how the teacher learns and likes yes. to teach. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're having to bounce around between all these things mm-hmm. so it's hard to even get good at one that you're not naturally good at. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. That's my biggest problem with edu- uh, education or at least U.S. education is that we don't have enough variability in how people learn and how they manage their time and their interests because... Sometimes, I, I've talked with a lot of people, students, and it, it can be fr- really frustrating because a lot of times people feel like they're just doing busy work. And that's just kind of a waste of your time, in my opinion, I- unless it's like practice uh, mm-hmm. to get you better at something. But mm-hmm. if it's at this point, like, a lot of times when I would do, not now because calculus and stats is kind of tough, but like in pre-Cal, we would have to do all this, all these homework questions. And like, I was like, I get the concept now. Can I not do these? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's, it's more than just that too. Like language arts, a lot of times teachers like to give you just small assignments, but there's a ton of them that you uh-huh. have to do that don't really improve your knowledge of anything. And I feel like that's a lot of wasted possible time you could, mm-hmm. you could be using in um at the high school like just public school level because if we managed our time and actually took time to uh focus on Improving mm-hmm. what you were learning, or your knowledge and stuff like that, instead of just giving you something to do, I feel that would actually improve the outlook of almost any students to be like, "Hey, I'm actually getting good at something, or mm-hmm. I'm actually learning this." Which is one argument right now for mm-hmm. mastery-based
0: learning, and they're trying that out at the middle schools at CUNA currently, and it, the, it's not the, the way to do yeah, it. Not the the, the implementation it. of it is terrible, mm-hmm. I think, but mastery based learning is something I could really get behind because mm-hmm. then you're basing students on like how have you mastered the content rather than how can you perform yeah. on this test? How can you do it on this assignment? Mm-hmm. which is really works for me because like Wesley, like I love history. I am such a big history guy. I love government. but right now in my history class, it's my lowest grade because it's so much busy work. There's so much just random like spit this out on the page, like all of these like numbers and I'm like I don't need to memorize all of this but when we have like discussions in class I'm one of the biggest contributors mm-hmm. um, and it just kind of upsets me that um, this is how I'm supposed to learn which is one thing I've liked about my calculus class this year is that he gives us our homework assignments and he's like I put a lot of problems on there in case you need them but if you feel like you have mastered it You can write busy work, and you don't have to do it. I did that once this semester, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, and so I love that, because I cruise through my calculus Mm assignments so much quicker, and I still have high test scores, I still perform well, I get the concepts, but I'm not forced to do all of these repetitive problems over and over.
4: Yeah, and I'm going to share a little story of one of my friends um, who he graduated a few years ago and he's got uh, a minor or some, he's got some kind of piece of paper that says he's good at math. <laughs> um, but when he was a junior or senior, he was taking calculus, right? Mm. Um, but he wouldn't pay attention to the teacher. And this was when Miss Morgan was teaching. He wouldn't pay attention to the teacher. He would teach himself, mm-hmm. like, because he, mm-hmm. he had figured out how, what way worked for him and to teach himself. Right. And the teacher came up to him like after the first test and he basically aced the test. Brilliant kid. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and went up to him and was like, you know, I notice you you aren't participating in class. You're not listening to me. You're listening to your book. You're not doing anything. And he's like, I'm learning it on my own and my test shows that. And she told him, it's like, you know, if that's how you're going to learn and if you get like an A on the next test, then I'll let you do your thing, right? Mm -hmm. You you just have to show up to Mm -hmm. class for attendance, but I'll let you do your thing. I'll leave you alone, right? Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what he did, right? He came in for the next test and he got like a 97 on it. And the teacher was like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, just... As long as you're teaching, as long as the work gets done, I don't, I don't really care mm-hmm. how you do it, right? Yeah. Which yep. relied a lot on his ability and his
0: desire to learn the content, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because not every student is going to be like that. We, yeah, I love that style, and that's kind of how I learned too. Like in some a lot, like I do listen a little bit, but I that's mostly how I learned is figuring it out on my own. Which is one of the problems I have with a lot of my classes is that when i get like when i do bad on assignments or things it's not because i don't know how to do it it's because like the teacher forces me to listen to them and i like required like teachers if like i straight up a lot of people hate me for this but i argue with my teachers all the time and like in some like in classes where the teacher is like consenting like um because a lot of times i feel like students aren't giving the intelligence like given the mark that they do have intelligence so, like, last year I had a massive argument with my language arts teacher. Went on for, like, an hour in front of the whole class, and everyone else is just watching us. Oh, and boy. she's like, all right, well, then let's go look it up and find out who's right. And I was right. <laughs> and she, she, she refused to consent for an hour. And oh, I'm like, boy. Can, yeah, because – but she also gets angry, my old language arts teacher, because a lot of times I would not listen to lectures. I wouldn't do things her way. I wouldn't do, like, massive – Like packet upon packet of outline before my essays, but I would have the highest essays in the class because that's not how I learned that. That's not how I write. But we're forced to do all of these things. Like for um high school life, had to write a research essay, forced to do an outline. Really bogged me down. Took me forever because I hate writing outlines and I suck at them. Mm -hmm. But still, like great essays. And that's what I feel is a lot of times teachers, especially like if you don't do the process correct then you're stupid. See, there's this interesting
2: phenomenon that I've uncovered where... Because at CWI, there's a lot of essay writing and there's a lot of formulas for how um, professors want you to write essays. Like, you have to check this many boxes. You have to do X, Y, Z. You have to say Mm -hmm. certain things in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And initially, I was kind of frustrated by it because, again, I'm definitely more of a free-flowing throw Mm -hmm. words against a canvas and then put a little bow on top sort of person. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And so, recently, in my nutrition class, I was assigned an essay that was called The Nutrition Hot Topic. And the purpose of the essay was you had to look up a non-peer-reviewed article, so a non-scientific article, about a nutrition trend. And you had to, in a very specific, stylized, formatted way, write an opinion paper about the opinion paper that you had looked up. And I thought the assignment was, candidly, kind of dumb. Like, the first time that the professor pitched it to us, I was sort of like, uh, okay, it's a little strange. And it had a very specific formula, and you would get docked points if you didn't meet the criteria of the formula.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, But the thing of it was, it could be about anything. So the first couple weeks of nutrition, we're sitting there and we were talking about the gastrointestinal system and a handful of other things that I just didn't find super interesting. But then we got to talking about foodborne illnesses. And on the slide, my professor had salmonella and the slide said, most people contract salmonella poisoning through the ingestion of undercooked meats, specifically poultries and lizards. And I was like, back up explain this lizard thing to me. And my professor was all, well, you know, there are places in the like southern United States and in other places around the world where they eat things like alligator. And I was like, no, no, no. I get that. But this was clearly so important that McGraw-Hill, as an educational institution, felt the impetus to put this on their slide. Right? I want to understand why lizards. Like, this is not just an isolated incident. Do you have to, like, make out with an iguana in order to accomplish that? And she was like, we are not picturing making out with an iguana in my class. And I was like, but can you help it now? (laughs) Right. And so this continued for the rest of the day. And every time that she would be like, does anyone have any questions? I would raise my hand and I would go, yes, lizards. Let's go back to this for a moment. By the end of the day, she was very clearly done with me. Um, (laughs) The next day, we came back to class, and she was like, okay, we just covered a lot of really technical material in preparation for this essay, and um, does anyone have any questions from what we covered yesterday? And immediately raised my hand, and I was like, yeah. So I've been doing some reading about the ingestion of lizards, and she was like, Calvin, we're done with this. <laughs> and the best part was other people were getting on the lizard bandwagon too, and start <laughs> asking questions about tortoises or whatever, and she was so very clearly done with this. So then we came back the next week, and she was talking about the essay, And she said, it can be about anything as long as you meet these specific guidelines. And as as long as it's not peer-reviewed, I don't care what you write your essay about. I immediately pulled out my phone and Googled kissing lizards nutrition. (laughs) And I found an article about an outbreak of salmonella, I want to say in Alabama or Georgia, a handful of years ago.
3: (laughs) And (laughs) it was apparently
2: caused by people showing undue affection to their lizards and tortoises. And so I'm like, listen, hypothetically, if I found an article about people kissing their lizards, I could write my essay about that, right? And she just looked at me for a second and had this really sad you look really? on her face. And she said, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> Do what you want. So the next day I was typing up my essay. And I made sure to hit all of the boxes and check all of the scientific jargon. And I got all of the stuff formatting-wise that she wanted. But I'm just typing about kissing lizards. It was a great time. And out of nowhere I got an email from her. Uh, my professor, and the email in its entirety said, thought you might find this useful. And underneath was a link to an FDA sponsored article published the year before about the dangers of kissing your lizard. And that's not the sort of thing that you just find. She had to seek that out and send it to me. And so I immediately emailed her back just, thank you, this is pertinent information. And then wrote my essay, turned it in, and got 24 out of 25. I was docked for a super specific formatting thing that I missed. And so it's like to, to the point made earlier about how it's hard sometimes to function in an educational environment when there's all of these like, boxes to be checked and when there's all of these expectations that are had even when it's not really your learning style because writing essays in this manner is not how i do my best work mm-hmm. but also if you get a little creative you can usually find ways to mm-hmm. needle at the system yeah. a little bit you know and See, that, that's what i enjoy too and i've been fortunate in that i've had a lot of freedom to do that kind of stuff where i just Mm. write weird
4: crap i think a lot of kids in public education are just cowed into what their teacher says goes yeah yeah
0: and like you had the freedom to do that and i love classes where i can do that but i have quite a few where i can't where the teacher's like all right i'm gonna give you the freedom to choose what you want to like write about out of these three topics that i pick (laughs) for you And then, like, we have to meet all those specific boxes. And a lot of times they're about, like, dry, bland topics that
4: no one wants to read. Or have been beaten to death before. Exactly.
0: And, like, we just have to, like, look at this. And it just kind of upsets me, the fact that, like, it's kind of like school. Like, we're just factory workers at this point. Like, they're, like, putting, like, it's a square hole. And you all have to fit through that. And sometimes they're smashing triangles and circles in there, too. (laughs) And especially, like, the public education system, I think, like, like is notorious for, like, destruction of creativity and, like, fit like this.
4: Yeah. One thing I've noticed, too, especially in the language arts category, um, language arts is, like, one of the categories I excel at, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pretty okay at math most of the time, sometimes. Pretty okay at doing calculus. I, <laughs> I mean, I got here on D's, but <laughs> <laughs> here well, we are. America. um but language arts is something that I kind of just excel at. And I think part of the reason because of that is that I have a little bit more freedom to choose the ideas I want to do and justify the decisions I make. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, a math
2: or science is like, this is this is the way you do it. Right, and it seems much more rigid. Like, STEM stuff can seem a lot, which is not true, really. Mm-hmm. Right. Like once you start getting into STEM fields, it becomes very apparent very quickly <laughs> that they're also creative fields. Right. But yeah. being the, the in a class is, yeah. is yeah. the
4: hard part. Like being in a math class is like, okay, here are the five steps to solving this equation. Use these five steps all the time, every, every time. Every single you know? time. But in, in language uh, arts, like, I wrote my, my formative assessment last year for my 101 class um, on literally how to solve the world's problems. Like, mm-hmm. that, that literally was just kind of a thought that I had that stemmed out of this idea and this article and uh, this this person who was on a UN committee who, who said some stuff about how, you know, the climate is changing, how we should focus on people instead of, like, Blah, 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 all, all this stuff so it stemmed from this idea that you know this this is a legitimate solution to get more people prepared to help us solve problems right and mm-hmm. i ended up writing about it i loved it i did so much research i learned so much about it um and the i don't know i'm just so much more drawn to um solving a problem that is a little bit more complex than a math problem Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not to say that math can't be
1: complex. The problem is <laughs> because it math is so complex now that to get to the part, where you have to problem solve it and figure out what the heck you're supposed to do. You need to know all it's the formulas. It's crazy advanced. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
4: You have to know all the formulas, all all the mechanics yeah. that you have to go through, and you just you've you, got to have these yeah.
2: down. You, you know, don't to get the high school level. You know, level. which debatably is true of any field. It's just interesting to see which mm-hmm. ones public education has a tendency to focus on. Right. Yeah. But kind of going
4: off this idea specifically of language arts classes is that. I have had four different language arts teachers every year. Like every mm-hmm. year I've had a different language arts teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Each of them grades a little bit differently. Each of yeah. them does different assignments. You read books at different times. You mm-hmm. read different books. Yeah. Right. So all of these things that are different every time, but you've got to bounce through and then you've got to find out how to write in the way that your teacher wants. Mm-hmm. Right? Because your grade is semi dependent on that. Because you can have a phenomenal essay, but if it's not written uh like quite in the format that they want or it's not necessarily an idea that they wanted you to talk about, then the they're gonna, that's mm-hmm. gonna express near grading. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't true nationwide. This is just my experience, right? But one thing I've really loved about my teacher this year is that she, she most often doesn't care what you what you think about stuff. She she just goes in, she gives criticism, she helps you out. She'll even help you formulate arguments if she mm-hmm. vehemently disagrees with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I I have found very valuable. But she that this teacher has also specifically talked a lot about how a lot of the other language arts teachers. Are kind of just stuck in the past, right? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we have to read these three books and we have to write these three essays and do all these standards and whatnot, right? Which but, from a language art standpoint makes me angry. Right, <laughs> because it's such a lack of choice it of what you get to do. the life out of it. Right? Yeah. It's like, okay, we're reading Huckleberry Finn this year and you have to do a literary analysis on it. It's like, aren't you sick of reading Huckleberry Finn literary analyses? Yeah. You've been doing this yeah. for 20 years. Yeah.
2: And Huckleberry Finn is so good. <laughs> <laughs> but you shouldn't ever be sick of that, but you can. You can uh, be. You know, and it's just like... Just let kids have a little bit more choice. And there are kids who won't make
4: that choice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is why we're at the point where we are, because some people won't make that choice. Mm-hmm. So provide them options. That's why you say, yep. hey, you can choose from one of these five books, but if you feel like you really want to read one of your own books, go read one of your own books. Mm-hmm.
0: Which I also have had three different language arts teachers in my years of high school. And that's what I love is my freshman and my junior um, slash senior like language arts teachers have given me so much more freedom and kind of like to Calvin's point like um similarly to him like in my freshman year we read Romeo and Juliet and we had to make a like argumentative essay on it and I'm like you know what I'm probably I'm like I bet she's sick of having to read the same essay about who caused the death and stuff. like da-da-da-da. and so I wrote an entire like essay on how the prince who was mentioned, like, three times, doesn't, like, the very very minor character, was responsible for every single death that happened in the book. <laughs> and I was able to argue that in front of the entire class, and no one could, like, counter me. And so it was great. And that's what I love is, like, and then, like, this year, um, like, she's, like, um, my our first essay, she's, like, all right, so you're going to write an essay, and you can write it in, like, whatever form, whatever type, whatever you want to do. Um, You just have to, like, write an essay so I can kind of see how you learn. And I loved that. And, like, I wrote a stream of consciousness essay about how my mind works. And she, like, bre- she, like, loved it. Like, praised me in front of the whole class. She's like, what was your essay again? I was like, oh, it was th- this one. And she's like, that one was so good. Like, but, and then we see the contrast with my sophomore language arts teacher who is like, we're reading To Kill a Mockingbird. And we're reading, um, like, this and this and you're going to write an essay We no choice of like what you write it about. You have to write about this. You have to write about this. You have to write about this. Mm-hmm. And that's like, we had to write a, we had a creative writing thing where I <laughs> creative writing. Yeah. Creative <laughs> writing. Um, where we read this, um, book called the house on mango street. And we I hated to, that book. I hate yeah. yeah. it. I not about it.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'm sure and it so, holds literary value, but uh, I, do not I like, like Sandra it. Cisneros.
0: I, I do like some of her books. I, did not particularly like that one that one was okay but then we had to write a creative writing sort of like like we had to pick four chapters and write our own or no we had to pick one chapter out of like a section of chapters yeah write our own like version of that in our life and so i wrote like she had like she was talking about how much she loved like her future house her dream house which was really and so i picked that one because for her it wasn't like about the physical house the walls is more of like this idea and this concept and so I kind of wrote I wrote mine about that and I wrote like I used m- mostly analogies and imagery rather than like this is like I'm going to construct it out of spruce wood and like all of these <laughs> <Minecraft>. things <laughs> and so um like and that's what I chose to write it on and like for me I read it and I'm like I love this like it's uses so much imagery, and I got, I think, like a C or a D on it, because she hated it. Like, she was like, what are you even talking about? This doesn't make sense. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like...
4: Do we have to wait 200 years for this to make sense so you can teach it in a class because (laughs) it uses literary analysis things and imagery? Yeah, like... (laughs) That's a little aggressive, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) Anyways, but I was kind of sick of this teacher, especially... Um, and just her like we were forced into, to check all of these boxes we have to do our pre-writes we have to do an outline and I'm more like Cal- Calvin like throw these words on a canvas put a bow on it because that's how I write but then we're forced to do all these things and especially in such a limited like scope of how you're able to do them and what you're able to do them on and it just kind of makes me sick especially in like language arts is like the name of the class like but there's nothing creative about that
4: class Yeah, and one thing that really kind of quote unquote unlocked for me the last few years of language arts is like this idea of choose something that you believe and find out how why you believe that and mm-hmm. how to defend it and mm-hmm. and to justify it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times that in trying to do that I've changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, which I, th- yeah, I think no, is totally so true. valuable because uh you're not really taught how to do that. Right? And like mm-hmm. there, there are definitely teachers who try and who promote that. Right? But like that's mm-hmm. such a contrast I think for most other subjects where it's like just just think about something think about what you think about something why you think about that thing and like what it's based on and whether or not that's valid because that that helps you formulate such a better worldview, in my mind Mm -hmm. um and you know that's what i love about it because you can write essays about on romeo and juliet that Mm -hmm. are the prince killed everyone right Mm -hmm. and and if you can find a way to justify it awesome you know don't tell me this PEMDAS stuff where you have to go in
2: a certain order and do it it's just you know I, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> like I'm do not know i over charts. it <laughs> so then I appreciate the direction that this conversation is going because I think that it speaks to sort of a broader theme um, and this is something that I'm curious to get your guys thoughts about is the big question becomes then I think what exactly is the purpose of education right like mm-hmm. conceptually not necessarily why do you attend high school though I guess that falls under it as well but like why why mm-hmm. pursue Education in any capacity.
0: I think, like one main thing, yeah. I, I want to get out of the way real quick is just like jobs. You have to be smart to the do quite a few reason. jobs. Yeah, practical, practical reason. But I think let's clear that off the table because that's ob- the obvious. Well, thing. yeah,
2: but I think that that's also worthy of consideration mm-hmm. because the way that the public education system is structured is very career oriented, which yeah. I think is it's not a bad thing. That's yeah. in fact quite a good thing it because is. if you. You can't get a job then that does make the rest of your life significantly more yeah. difficult
4: and everyone else's lives that much more so difficult. yeah so the...
2: no i think that that's absolutely valid but it's not something that i think we critically consider it's something that's always sort of been in the back of my brain of yeah i'm going to school so i can get a good job at some point mm-hmm. but why do you want to get a good job then because I think that also falls under the banner of why education. What
4: constitutes a good job, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. And when all your teachers are like, "Well, you know, we're preparing you for the workforce, for the real world." It's like, what,
2: what does the that mean? It's not
4: that simple. What yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So. So yeah. Okay. So I think
0: yeah. So if you want to go that direction, I would love to go that direction, and it's preparing you to get a good job. And like Calvin said, what constitutes, or what Talon said, like what constitutes a good job, I think something that can you can make a living off of. And that you enjoy doing. Because, like, we see a bunch of rich millionaires who are miserable because they did something and they made money, but they didn't enjoy it. And I know a barber in Rigby who does not make probably a ton of money, like, especially at his prices. Um, And, like, probably, like, he makes a livable wage. Not much more than that. But he's happy, and it's so much fun to go there, and he enjoys what he does. Mm. Um, Which I think is something the school needs to focus on more is do something that you can make a livable wage off of but also that you enjoy doing because we something see something like,
2: meaningful that can make yeah. an impact okay yeah that right there mm. the word meaningful i want to yeah.
0: talk one
4: thing that i think is kind of underlying all of this things that are that are meaningful and to find careers and jobs and whatnot is we need people to innovate yeah. we need people to be smarter than the, the previous generation we need people to innovate and we need people who can solve problems Right. Mm-hmm. So that that comes from people who find their work meaningful because then they're pushed to innovate and find a solution. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like I know someone right now who is at WSU, who's on like a special research program that's trying to find um, materials that can help us like contain nuclear waste so mm-hmm. it, it doesn't contaminate. Right. And it's like that that's part of the reason why we have education. Right. So we can produce doctors who can solve problems, who can find out these new ways to do these procedures. Mm-hmm. It's so we have big tech corporations who can innovate and have the new phone you know it's
1: to mm-hmm. to push these industries forwards to make lives better mm-hmm. it's and you can compare anyone any two people and doing the same exact job and you can always find the one that's do, choosing to make it more meaningful for themselves uh mm-hmm. as usually the one that's doing the better job like almost always mm-hmm. and so i think we definitely need more of that and i, I forgot what was, where i was going with this but um oh yeah so I think part of the problem is that education takes away that meaningfulness in our work. Like, essays, going back to the essay example, I sometimes, a lot of times, actually, I feel like, oh, I have an essay, do. I just pump it out. Pull Great. It done. Mm-hmm. I don't put a whole lot of meaningful effort into it. It's just like, I need to get this check of the boxes so I can get an A on it. Cool. cool done. And it's just like, just, it just becomes a chore, loses its mm-hmm. meaning, and by the time you're out of high school, that's what. The, Stereotype senioritis, you like almost have lost all your motivation yeah. or meaning to do stuff, and I think that's awful because senior year, graduating, should be the year you should be excited to like learn, you know, be excited mm-hmm. to pursue what you want to do, and we kind of have a pandemic of that. So I'm curious then to explore. Meaning as it relates to
2: education.
4: I want to bring up something real quick before we switch topics. Yeah, sorry, mm-hmm. Calvin. Go. Um, is that how do we? Why don't kids find meaning in school?
0: I think. Why, I think why do kids I have the perspective
2: part, on school that they do? I think partly it is a personal
1: thing. Like I think
2: partly it's a personal thing. Yeah. Yes, in the sense of it's, I don't know. Living living in an existential vortex of a universe that we <laughs> inhabit, I contend, is meaning is largely. What we construct meaning to be. Right. Which means that if we look at something and we go, no, that's stupid, then it will be stupid. Will be stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we also exist in a system, especially in the public education system, that is, I don't want to say loaded because that sounds like it has other connotations, but it's kind of loaded to propagate a specific idea of what meaning is. Mm-hmm. And that meaning is get a good paying job, mm-hmm. get something that you can support yourself with. Um, and
4: that's what all these kids learn. Yeah. Th- that's what education is. It's you know, I go to school for twelve to eighteen years so that I can work for the rest of my life. You mm-hmm. know? There's not this sense
0: of encouraging people to f- enjoy things. Right. Yeah. Which I would say is kind of branching off a tiny bit, but like we see these things like especially when in the writing going to a little bit of mix and talent of Wesley and Talon's points, is that for me I love writing argumentative essays and I love writing creative writing and those are my two things but then i'm forced to do a research paper and i hate it because it has no meaning for me because i don't like just spitting out facts on a page when i could be displaying my thoughts
4: i could be spitting out facts on a page and then telling you how to think
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah. you know the thing about the thing about that is doing research paper because i also don't love doing research papers Mm -hmm. yeah um but I find them useful in a roundabout Mm -hmm. sort of way in that it forces me to consider something critically in a context that I would not otherwise normally consider it. Yeah. Which is
4: why we should force everyone to take Lincoln-Douglas debate four years of high school. Thank you. This is... (laughs) Thank (laughs) you for coming to his test. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Great. But then
2: because there's this, there's this classical argument sort of born out of like Aristotelian thought, if you want to go way, way back that suggests that the important thing about education, public or otherwise is to create a well-rounded human being. Yes. And that meaning is found, meaning is found through Mm -hmm. the exploration of the well-roundedness and multifacetedness of being a human being in a complex world that often doesn't cater to our needs, our Mm -hmm. wants, our desires and learning how to navigate that world in a way that is practical and meaningful. Mm -hmm. Um, which is why lots and lots of, not only high schools, but colleges and higher universities beyond that, encourage their students, if not require their students, to take a number of different classes that they're generally not interested in. I'm in all nutrition right. right now. I'm not super into nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and the class is not my favorite thing in the world, but I'm learning a ton from it. Even mm-hmm. if I'm not necessarily learning all about nutrition, you know, like I couldn't I couldn't sit down right now and give you a TED Talk about the benefits of you know like super Lizards white vids to kiss or not to right. kiss right that I could give <laughs> but but I am learning how to study something that I'm not super interested in in a way that I am still able to retain that information and I am learning how to carry myself in an environment yeah. that I am not especially comfortable in
1: and I think that's what education should be seeking after mm-hmm. that, that kind of goal it should teach people to like learning regardless of what it is yeah. so then how yeah. is that accomplished yeah
0: which I think it's kind of unaccomplished in schools currently like you look at it like i look at my little brothers my little brother loves to go to school he loves it like if you get a kindergartner do you know like i would probably say at least like 98 percent of them are super excited to go to school and to learn because they love learning but as we get further along in that it's kind of so pushed. i i have a theory about that and i think it's because uh
4: the culture of students perpetuates disliking school
3: how's so?
0: it
4: uh, because i going through elementary school my brothers were always like oh you know school sucks and i hate doing homework and blah 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 And i was like school's not bad but then i got kind of like indoctrinated into this thing of like oh you know school does kind of suck because i have to do this thing
2: and but then you know, where does that start because if you heard your brother saying that your brothers yeah, had to pick it up from someone who had to pick it up from, it from, it from, it up, from right? someone who had to pick it up from someone where does it <laughs> where does it start
4: right and i think it starts with youth being unhappy i i think it's just kind of a result of people feel like they're restricted so they restrict themselves right Right. so it's this idea that if if we collectively in a perfect world open up our minds and say look there's something here for me to learn i might not like it it might not be particularly enjoyable to me but there's a reason that i need to learn this and there's a reason why the system is like this and what can i use it for and then try to be excited about it Mm -hmm. then you perpetuate this idea because i've had this conversation with my sister She's like, Oh, you know, this sucks. I'm like, Well there there's probably some reason they're teaching it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if and if it sucks, then find a way to make it suck less. You mm-hmm. know, instead of instead of just going around and making it work. because it's this idea that misery loves company. Yeah. Right? So if something mm-hmm. makes one student miserable, then they're gonna go and say, you know, this this is miserable. And then people are like, They did that. I don't want to do that. And then it kinda just grew to this whole thing that
2: is school. Mm-hmm. And, like, school can be miserable. Yeah. I am the yeah. first to admit that. And <laughs> yeah. that's, like, just by nature of the fact that getting assignments in on time can be inconvenient. And there are other things oftentimes that I'd rather be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to Talon's point, I think one of the things that education systems, and I'm not just referring to public education systems because homeschool education systems and online school, they, they do the same thing, um, is like these institutions have a tendency to sort of crush the wonder out of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. The wonder yes. of learning and of interacting in an educational and intellectual environment and in discovering what we're passionate about, right? Mm-hmm. It has a tendency to just sort of grind Why that Why do you think out. that is? If all of these institutions do this? Because I, candidly, my opinion is, um, th- it's the productivity model. Mm-hmm. Because the focus then becomes how do you, create a generation of people who will work good paying jobs that will benefit the economy that will benefit the nation that will even benefit the world right and it becomes not that any of those are bad things right. but it becomes so solely and singly focused on how to produce and how to continue producing and how yeah. to continue the means of production that then it loses all of this all of this sense of wonder about the things that don't necessarily seem inherently productive right about right. you know things that exist to, I'm going to sound so stereotypically artsy here, but the things Mm -hmm. that enliven the mind or the senses, Mm -hmm. the things that brighten people's hearts and lives in small, meaningful ways, those sort of things are oftentimes sacrificed to a model of productivity that Mm -hmm. values the production of wealth, the production of goods and the currency of those things, as opposed to the currency of something greater. Mm -hmm. And our, systems of education public private homeschool or otherwise are designed for that Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm.
4: it's interesting then that all of these these high level very popular fairly new companies uh companies like tesla or spacex or like google even um you see these ads all the time and you talk about and people talk about how it's like oh you know you don't you don't need to have like a bachelor's or a master's in this thing. You just have to be you know, passionate about it and creative and be able to solve problems and kind mm-hmm. of know what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting then that if there's becoming a little bit more of a push for people who are skilled and creative, regardless of how you have that skill or creativity, it's interesting that we're still trying to just manufacture productivity.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which that's one thing. Like schools have been pumping out bachelor degrees forever and ever. Like they're like, I don't think like our school... Does a little bit, not a like better job at not doing this, but schools in general do just go on to college, go get a bachelor's, go go, go get a bachelor's, go go go. go at go, least go, ours go, go. are like
4: go into the military, go to a four-year college, or yeah. find a trade school. Yeah, <laughs> trade school just schools, go to a four-year college.
0: Trade schools are where I would I was going with that is that like vocational training and stuff mm-hmm. where it's like not oh I have a degree in this it's I have experience in this I have done this
2: right. And the thing about it is that, you know, especially places that push you to attend four universities or whatnot, functioning in the society that we do today, which is in some ways very beholden still to the idea of college diploma-based education, Mm -hmm. but in other ways is massively moving towards, like, like Talon is talking about skill-based and proficiency-based education as opposed to, like, diploma-based, there's really no balance. Like, and it's really confusing then to try to figure out, as, yeah. as a student, like, what then are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Um, especially coming out of a productivity model. Because even mm-hmm. then, even when the focus is on proficiency or on skill, in the end, that focus is still on productivity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Which, for me, I'll just say like this real quick, is that I'm not a big fan of school. I don't like going a lot of times, but I love learning. And that's one thing I think. Yeah, and those are two different things. School and learning are different things. People associate those two together, and so people are like, oh, I don't want to learn. But, like, learning is so cool, while school is, like, not always as good.
2: I I I, have
4: learned my most valuable lessons, like, besides just, like, life lessons, but, like, legitimately, mechanically things about how the world works and what I want to do outside of an education institution. Me Uh, too. Yeah,
0: Yeah, like, um, one thing I love about, like, my online government class right now is that, like, I'll go and do this. But then if I have a question or I want to look like into something is that I since I'm like not required to like go and like be working on this specific assignment for all of class, then I can go and look it up whenever I want to. So I'll be researching the legislative branch and then I'll look into like different things about that, like these what happens if this? like what in this case. And I love doing that is that like I'll just have these ideas pop in my head and I'm free to go learn about them as I will. Whereas in schools, a lot of times, like, oh, you're not on task, I can't believe you, like, you're in trouble for, like, not doing the specific set of things that, like, they're requiring you to do rather than learning.
2: And it's also, I mean, when you take a step back from it, it's such a construct, Yeah. right? It comes back again to this thing that I was talking about earlier where meaning is largely the stuff that we attribute, attribute to. meaning to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think education systems are very similar in that sense in that they sort of exist to perpetuate themselves Mm -hmm. right? and so when you take a step back from that and you look and you go this is all such a social and societal construct Mm -hmm. that if enough people and I think we're gradually seeing a movement towards this if enough people look at it and say no this construct is kind of stupid we don't need to do this then I think that we can break out of that more Mm
0: -hmm. which is something I really think we need to do because like we see especially with like the push for um, like STEM, especially in our school, the push for STEM, whereas you don't see kids being pushed into band. You don't see p- kids being pushed into choir or theater. You see good kids being pushed into STEM. And when you look at like theater and choir and band, I would say like those forms of literature have so much benefit to us, but they're not given anything they deserve and we aren't pushed into I, them. I think
4: part of the reason why they're treated like that is because the rates of success tend to be a lot lower. Yeah, mm-hmm. they are. If, if you can make it through where you can make an actual, like, impact in culture and art, um, that's awesome. But the mm-hmm. chances of you being able to do that, I think, would be... Lower. it's tough it's kind of this Very idea behind tough. sports right where people are like i want to play pro sports but people are like
1: you probably shouldn't plan mm-hmm. on that because the chances of you making it
4: to but the nfl are not is, good that's mm-hmm.
1: a way bigger thing honestly i think you could be more successful in a band than sports yeah. right yeah, sports. yeah no, so I, like you, like the, the comparison we see like, well like oh you play yeah. or
0: oh you wrestle oh you play football that's so cool and we see like these positive things like oh, yes, yes, come sign up for football, come sign up for yeah. like, all these sports, but we don't see that. Like, people are like... For theater, yeah, band, or... Which is there. interesting, That's, right? Yeah. Because, like, yeah. the,
2: the the comparison that you made a moment ago to, like, professional sports players is a valid comparison in the sense of, like, trying to get onto Broadway or trying to, yeah. like, win the Nobel Prize in literature <laughs> is something that most people will not accomplish in their lives yeah, and that right. a lot of people aspire to, but that most people won't get to simply because there are limited opportunities and some people who are ridiculously talented more so than i will ever be however getting a job in the arts or in like literature or in english it's still possible to do quite easily yeah right Mm -hmm. it's really not any more complicated than getting a stem job it's just about looking for the right programs of training and looking Mm -hmm. for the right opportunities and being present for things um then it just becomes a definition of success that becomes the most important. Do you define success as having right. the highest paying job, being yes, on Broadway, being do. the... Yeah, right, that, that is exactly the point, because it's a productivity-based model yeah. as opposed to an impact or an a truly educative based model. Right. You know? mm-hmm. It's interesting
4: too, is the ways that both um, schools as an institution but also the culture that is behind them as far as students go, and what they place value on right because Mm -hmm. you keep we have tons of talented artistic people at Cuna high yes like the the musical that we went to the other night uh tons of talent yeah tons of talent there i know people in the choir who literally have been spending most of the month on the east coast doing live auditions to like yes big name artistic schools Mm -hmm. like big schools right yeah Mm -hmm. but you look at those people and generally speaking people don't see them as smart they just seem as talented Mm-hmm. right when like in reality to get where they are they have to know their stuff so well yeah. but mm-hmm. if they're not phenomenal at math they're not intelligent yeah hate that. which I, I hate that stigma ugh. too because yeah. it's like if, if you're good at math you're a smart kid if you played chess as a kid you're gonna be brilliant you know but it's like <laughs> what about people who have a way with words what about yeah. people who can critically think about societal problems mm-hmm. what Great. about people who can provide some kind of culture or entertainment for people all of these things are e- Equally enough important that mm-hmm. we should focus on all of them Which, instead of just being like math good everything
0: bad. That's another problem with schools that they define intelligent as especially in like the areas of language arts and math. Like mm-hmm. those are ba- and science. And so basically, yeah. So basically, those and then grades. Every everyone in choir gets an A unless you like try to fail. <laughs> it's so in like for all of for band and choir, everyone gets an A. But there are some people who are smart in those, and, like, there are some people who are talented and, like, good, and they work hard at those, and there are some people who are not. Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, especially when schools are view your grades as your measure of intelligence, that and not And place
4: it. your personal worth on what your right. grades are. And, and yes, I think that
2: you know. that then ties directly into sort of, like, the, the underlying theme of the question of education and the question of meaning. And that is simply, what do we value? Yeah, and not yeah. as an institution, per se, but on a personal level. What do you value? What do you find meaningful? What do you think is important? What do you think is beautiful? What do you think is powerful? And that can be anything. It doesn't have to be the arts. It can be it STEM. It can be STEM, yeah. it, can, mm-hmm. it can be anything, really. It's just what you choose to find valuable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of profound.
4: And it's difficult for schools to promote that, too. Yeah. Because, you know... We have we have an amazing FFA program. We've got a, an amazing yes. agriculture program. You know, our theater program sucks nuts. We've
0: like, really like really as far as actors, like we've got like some phenomenal program. talent, but yeah. as far as like the program itself, goes, as far yeah. as
4: funding is and as far as the education, yeah. it's not on the level that the agriculture thing is right. For mm-hmm. sure. So, you know, part of that is because the community values that. Right. So, mm-hmm. which the education system reflects what the community values because that's the kind of people we want to produce, and it's. It's impossible, if we're being honest, to have an amazing
0: program for everything that every student could possibly ever want Mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Which, for me, seeing, like, what the community values is such an interesting concept because we look at, like, people who are in football. Oh, that's so cool. You're great. People in choir, oh, you're a nerd. You suck, loser. But then, like, people, like... Zinn's like, it's kept me up so many (laughs) nights. Like, yeah, we see, like, people, like, especially in performing arts, theater, choir band like oh you're in one of those like you're a nerd you're a geek you're a loser but then we see people you watch movies all the time but you don't make the connection like you don't place value on the theater kids yeah like you listen have you
2: watched frozen yeah it's (laughs) the same people yeah have you like people in those frozen tablecloths were actors
0: (laughs) like you look at like oh i love listening to the radio i love this singer i love this like band i love like this but like they don't yeah it's the same people and people only Mm don't put value on it still which is v- very interesting to me
4: uh, I think part of it r- just kind of falls into a lot of the high school just like cliches you know it's just mm-hmm. high school yeah. it's just kids who don't know how to be nice to each other yeah. you know which sucks that's, that's, I'm not justifying yeah. it and saying that mm-hmm. that's okay but it's like I mean uh, uh, of course the quarterback of the football team is going to kind of like mess that's around an with American, the American a little that's the American that's, thing like, I, I feel like that's huh. almost just a human thing
1: yeah,
0: yeah which another thing interesting to me this is a little bit of a conversation we had earlier but like meme culture we look at like memes were like it's like 20 years from now and it's like two computer programmers like making fun of this jock because he plays football and has a girlfriend they're like man get on our level <laughs> ha ha, imagine <laughs> having fun, a yeah. girlfriend yeah. <laughs> like we see like it really like it just goes to show like societal constructs like what do we place value on like and that's what it's shifting towards currently but like and maybe we need to reevaluate our societal values and give everything equal value because you I don't know, think we should give everything equal value. Okay, I that's think that true. could be dangerous. But, but giving like that's a true hard one. value yeah. to
2: giving is, everything the, it's, the chance. It's value. giving everything its due value. Yeah, which yeah, because we
0: look at like theater band part like maybe it's just me because I'm in. Two of those <laughs> programs, but like they're not <laughs> given value. Whereas, oh, you're a football player. Our football and our wrestling teams receive millions upon millions of dollars. Yeah, maybe not millions. <laughs> no, 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 like um, like people, especially like the community, like donations to them too. Like they receive millions of dollars. Like they, Do they built really. Yeah, people. The CUNA,
1: the CUNA program.
0: CUNA program, like we built an entire like wrestling center that took like.
1: I don't think that was a million dollars though. I think we got a levy for it too. Yeah. Yeah. Or but bond like, or whatever. But calling. that still shows yeah. the community. Yeah. Is yeah. Supportive of that. Over- so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, this was a long <laughs> discussion. Long <laughs> so right, I think we're we, gonna keep education on yeah, here. Yeah, education. Call it education gonna, two. <laughs> yeah,
4: we're definitely
0: keeping it on here because there's so much more we need to dig into. Yeah. All right. Well, what a note to end on. All right. Thanks for listening to episode Sporacity 5. Yes, I can count this time. Um, email us your thoughts, your experiences with the education system. We want to hear all of that stuff at, on, and to Sporacity at gmail.com. Um, if you're on YouTube um, or somewhere, leave comments. We'll read. Make sure to like, subscribe, whatever um, platform you're using. And we'll see you next week, guys.
4: Yep. See ya. See ya.